Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. The battle belongs to the Lord. I remember growing up in my parents' home. As I grew up in my parents' home, I began to mess with drugs and everything like that. My daddy told me, he said, by the time, he said, if you leave the house, because I wanted to leave the house, he wouldn't let me stay there because I was doing dirt. He said, either you're going to be dead or in prison before you're 18. And when I was 18 years old, I went to prison on a 3 to 15. But in prison, God was dealing with me. I got out of prison. God continued to keep dealing with me. And so God drew me. Long story short, I repented. And then God brought me in front of Pastor Aaron Bounds, which is my pastor, which is the greatest pastor in Jesus' name. Come on, I want you to thank God for the gift of God. Yeah, hallelujah. And then I remember up here, felt a call in my life, went to the oil presses, and God called me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I dropped out of high school when I was in the ninth grade. I remember being in uh, trailers fiending for crack cocaine. I was on my knees fiending for crack cocaine. But now I'm on my knees fiending for Jesus Christ. Praying and seeking the face of Almighty God. Doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter where you come from. God will get the victory out of your life if you give him everything. Hallelujah. I felt like I had no hope for life. I had, when I was 14, I had policemen telling me that I was gonna end up just like my parents. I had people that just didn't believe in me and I felt like I had nowhere to go. And there was one day where I felt like, okay, I'm gonna take my life. And I remember in that moment just praying, God, if you are there, if you are real, then God, I believe that you can, you can show me, that you can help me. And just that year was when I met my husband, my now husband, Danny, and he invited me here to the church. And when I walked in, I felt God's loving arms wrap around me like I had never felt before. And now here I am in Jesus' name. room have a testimony of the goodness of the Lord. That old song says, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, wish somebody would shout hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Oh, let's praise him all over this building today. Amen. Let's remain standing all over the building. You can return to your seats from worshiping here in the altar but remain standing praise God this revival has been so tremendous my soul has been fed it really has I've been so strengthened last night we got into a 
spiritual intercession and pushing, pushing back the darkness, pushing back things from our lives and out of our minds. That was so powerful last night. I am going to protect a field of beans. How many of you have made up in your mind, I'm not letting go of the least of the things God has given to me? Amen. He taught us on Monday night to discern the difference between trials, trespasses, temptations, and troubles. My, so powerful. Look at your neighbor and say, everything's not the devil's fault. <laughs> it's so very true. And, uh, and on Sunday night, we started off this revival with one of the greatest messages I've ever heard in my life, titled Cinderella, about Solomon's love for the, for the, for the broken amen. Aren't you glad it came to where you are? I feel there's healing tonight. I really do. I feel God wants to bring healing into this room. Do you believe that? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, there is healing in this building tonight. Tell somebody near you, the Lord wants to heal your life. Praise God. We're so honored. We're so honored before our... Our minister comes to preach the word of the Lord. We're so honored to have Pastor Cottrell here with us from First United Pentecostal Church. Sure love and appreciate you. Amen. First United Pentecostal Church, and I've told you already, but they sent a check to help us with our roof, and aren't we so thankful? Thank you. Thank you so much. Amen. God has given us great unity in this city. Our churches have come together, working together with a Christian education right here at ACA. And we've got teachers from different churches and students from, and it's so powerful what God is doing. We're raising up an army of believers and missionaries right here, right here. And our children, their talents are surfacing, move of God. I'll never forget one day, Pastor Cottrell, it was the day that you when you had COVID had taken a turn for the worse. It was December the 4th, 2020. And I was in my office praying. The Holy Ghost came over me. Very powerful. I sort of just fell out the floor on my face, praying in, in the heavenly language. And God prompted me. And I got up and I walked to every classroom. And we were praying for you. And uh, we, when I'd walk in the room, I'd say, it didn't matter if there's this big or this big students. I said, let's all stand. And they normally stand when I go in. They respect authority and their principal and their teachers and pastors. But when we went in, I said, how many of you love Jesus? They lift their hands. I said, just keep your hand lifted. The Holy Ghost is going to come on you. Instantaneously. Every classroom. The power of God will fall. Tears begin to run. People, young, young children begin to pray in a heavenly language as God gave them the ability to pray. Every single classroom. The kids... I remember specifically Mrs. Glover's class that, that she, they turned toward her and began to pray. She turned toward them and began to pray. Listen, there's a lot of places you can't get an education and that happened. But at ACA, Anchor Christian Academy, the Holy Ghost falls. Aren't you glad we've got a move of His Spirit here even tonight? Hey, I feel an outpouring of His Spirit in this service. I've come to be filled. I've come to be filled with His presence. Amen. Amen. Brother Woodward, we're so glad you're here. All the way from Canada. 
you and your precious wife and children and they've allowed him to come and be here. I have been so blessed. I feel, amen, I feel strengthened. That's How many feel strengthened tonight and blessed by the ministry? Would you come and preach to us whatever you feel? Take your time, take your liberty. Praise God. Somebody shout, bless the man of God. Oh, give praise to the Lord. He is good. His mercy endureth forever. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night? Oh, my. I'm so glad to be here at the Anchor with all these other pastors and leaders and ministers that have joined us this week. It's such an honor to be in fellowship with all of you and all of these great saints of God. Uh, To say I've enjoyed this week would be a gross understatement. I have just thrilled to every moment so grateful for the way God has met us and the way you've responded to the Word of God and the presence of God. Pastor's exactly right when he says there's healing in this room tonight. The Bible says he sent his Word and healed them. You don't have to be in a healing crusade or a prayer line to be healed by the name of Jesus. You just need to be in the presence of the preached Word of God and the presence of God. There is healing in this house. There is outpouring in this house. There is deliverance in this house tonight. I was talking to Beverly today. She just, she just, when she finds somebody that she knows is truly apostolic and they just got it, she just raves about them. She said, I love Pastor Aaron Bounds and his wife and that church. And she spies on you all online sometimes. And I do too, I'll confess. Love your pastor, love his wife and his family. I was talking to our great missionary, Brother Brad Thompson from Guatemala. He's home in Fredericton with his folks, his parents, uh, today. I was talking with him this afternoon. He said, when you're there tonight, please thank Pastor Aaron Bounds and that great church for sending Brother Noe and Sister Dawn to Guatemala. They're doing such a phenomenal work for God, and we're so grateful and happy to the anchor for sending them there. And I thank you for your heart for missions. I want to get right to the word of the Lord. If you'd like to take your Bibles, the message I will preach to you, I wanted to preach to you in 2019 when I was here just about exactly three years ago. But we didn't get there. But I got the green light to preach it this week. And if I was going to leave anything uh, with you, it would probably be this. As we face the last of the last days and the end of the end times, in the middle of the treacherous and troublesome and tumultuous storms that we face in our world today, the words of an anonymous writer from the very end of the first century, they ring more true than ever before. Not just for us as an apostolic church, but for every individual in this place. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 which hope we have as an anchor. (laughs) I feel at home preaching this in this church. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Would you lift your Bible and your hands and your heart and your voice, your voice, your voice, and lift up the name of the Lord. God's presence is in this room tonight. And I thank God 
for his presence. But would you let your praise out? Would you let your prayer out and let God touch you right now? Let God touch you right now. Oh, let out your voice like a trumpet. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, oh, somebody feels that tonight. It's a powerful Wednesday night at the anchor. I wish you'd just chase that down. I wish you'd just go down that trail of anointing for a moment. Oh my goodness, take somebody by the hand, lift that hand with yours like a choir of uplifted hands and just worship God for a moment. Just worship Jesus for a moment. Just worship Jesus for a moment. Yes, 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 yes. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. When you get there, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. With a voice of triumph. Yes, yes. Our hope in Christ is like an anchor for the soul. And that's my subject tonight. Because the anchor was a popular symbol in the early church. If you go to the city of Rome and you join a little tour group and you go under the city of Rome and you tour the catacombs, caves, underneath the streets of that ancient city where many of your brothers and sisters from the late first century are buried you will find at least 66 pictures of anchors carved into the stone walls of the catacombs under the city of Rome. Because the anchor was used on many tombstones. It was used as an epitaph. And when you carved an anchor on their tombstone, it was an indication that the deceased had died in Christ. Because he's the anchor for our soul. The anchor was a symbol of hope for those who were being oppressed by the pagan Roman Empire because the anchor symbolized security and strength. You see, an anchor for a boat, it provides stability and it provides safety in calm and in dangerous waters because it holds the boat to one place. In a storm, when the waters are tumultuous and the winds are tempestuous and the rains are coming down like a torrent, the anchor prevents the ship from being uh, cast away, tossed and turned, battered and beaten by the waves. And that's because it doesn't tether it to the shifting waves of the sea. It tethers that boat to the bottom, to something solid that it cannot be moved. But even in calmer weather and in calmer waters, the anchor just keeps that ship from drifting. But our spiritual anchor is different than the anchor on your boat at the lake. It's different than an ordinary anchor on a big ship. 
For one thing, this church, we're not anchored downward to the bottom of the lake. We're anchored upward to heaven. There is an anchor that tethers every apostolic child of God to an eternal purpose, to an eternal home, to an eternal hope. You have an anchor of the soul, and no matter what is happening in your life, there's an anchor that can keep you steady and keep you stable and keep you safe. We're not only anchored upward, but there's another reason our anchor's different. We're not anchored to stand still. We're anchored to a moving, thriving, apostolic hope. We're anchored to move ahead. Hebrews says our anchor is sure. That means it cannot break. And Hebrews says our anchor is steadfast. That means it cannot slip. There isn't an anchor on this planet that can give you the kind of stability that the anchor Jesus Christ can give you. He is the anchor for your soul. And the Bible says that this anchor is anchored within the veil where our forerunner Jesus has entered. You know, the Old Testament high priest, he was not a forerunner. He went in behind the veil one time a year, but he wasn't a forerunner because nobody else could follow him in there. But our heavenly high priest, because of his sacrifice, he's entered into that heavenly temple, into that heavenly tabernacle, and he's made a way where we can go there. We can follow him all the way to heaven. Our anchor leads us in the veil. So I came to this service, to this great church, to this last night of this particular revival to tell you that the apostolic church has an anchor. It may look like in this current culture, it may look like in the year 2022 that the church is being pushed down and pushed back and pushed aside and pushed around. But that's only because you can't see what you can't see. They that are with us are more than they that be against us. Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. What you cannot see in this culture that is moving all the time is that there's an anchor that holds this church secure to an eternal purpose. I am not being beat around by the the currents of culture. I have an anchor that holds me to the hope of heaven. Oh, I wish you'd clap your hands to the Lord. You may think that the trends of culture and the immorality that is loose and the craziness that is being touted as logic today in all of the media, you may think that that is having a great sway. It is on the world, but it is not on the apostolic church. What you cannot see is that invisible anchor line that is tethered to every apostolic believer in here, filled with the Holy Ghost in covenant with the name of Jesus through your baptism. You have an eternal hope. You have the power of God. You have the blood of Jesus Christ covering your past, covering your sins, covering your life, covering your home. There is an anchor. And here's what I want you to know, that the pull from heaven is greater than the push from this world. 
The world may be pushing you. The world may be pushing your family. But you have an anchor. And the pull from heaven is greater than the push from this culture. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why, Paul? Here's why. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's why God would put the Holy Ghost, that precious eternal treasure, in a frail, fragile earthen vessel like you is because he wants this world to know it's not about us. It's not about our organizational skills. It's not about how well-connected we are. It's never about how popular we are. We are. It's about the Holy Ghost in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you walk around in your fragile earthen vessel every day. You get up, you go to work, you're around your family and your friends, but inside of you, there's a fire shut up in your bones. You have an eternal treasure in an earthen vessel. So everybody will know it's not us that's building this church. He is building in this church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Oh my. Paul says we are troubled on every side. You know what? We're not even distressed about it. We are perplexed, but you know what? We're not in despair. We are persecuted, but never forsaken. We are even cast down sometimes, but not destroyed. We always bear about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. We walk through valleys and trials. We walk through hard things and difficult times. We carry in this body all of the burdens of life, but the life also of Jesus is being made manifest in our body. I don't know if you've ever had the experience. I've walked into hospitals. I've walked into hospice rooms. I've walked into rooms where it was definitely a deathbed and gone to pray for some precious saint of God thinking I was going to encourage them. But when I started to pray for them and I saw that feeble, frail little hand lift up off that bed and I heard them speak in tongues with a thin little raspy voice, I thought, my goodness, this hope that we have, it's so powerful, you can't extinguish a flame like that because it carries us all the way from earth to an eternal hope in heaven. You have an anchor that is stronger than anything you'll ever face in this life. You see, what Paul's saying is you don't have to worry when you feel the pressure of everyday life. You may feel like you're being pushed around, but Jesus was pushed around too. But the Bible says he kept on going for the joy that was set before us. Jesus is our example. He is not only the author of our faith, he started this, but he is the finisher of our faith. He who began a good work in you, he is able to complete it. If Jesus brought you into this church, he can keep you in this church. If Jesus brought you into this family, he can sustain you in this family. If Jesus helped you start this walk, he can help you finish this journey. Jesus is our anchor, and he's pulling us to heaven. And there is greater power in the pull from heaven than there is in the push from this world. Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, 
the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame and today is set down in the place of authority at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Just what is the contradiction that the writer's talking about? The contradiction is that it looks like the world is winning. It looks like hell has been victorious. It looks like the devil is in charge. That's the contradiction. The contradiction of sin and sinners and hell and the devil that comes against us. It looks like everything is upside down. But we've been here before because 2,000 years ago, it looked like Jesus' crucifixion had sounded the death knell of God's eternal plan. But the cross was the biggest ambush in human history. About the time the devil walked away thinking, there, that'll fix that. Jesus walked into hell itself, took the keys, and came out the other side saying, I am he that liveth and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Paul said if the princes of this world, if they had known, if they had guessed, if they had suspected the wisdom of God, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Calvary wasn't a defeat. Calvary was an ambush. But that's the contradiction of sinners. That's the contradiction of sin. For a while it looks like the devil's winning. For a while, it looks like hell is going to win the victory. For a while, it looks like the world is going to do it, and they're going to be stronger, and they're going to win this battle. But you see, at Calvary, heaven was in charge the entire time, and God had a plan. But we stand here tonight, and I will tell you, I will admit to you, it is incredibly challenging to recognize that contradiction when you are face to face with your circumstances. It's difficult to believe for your healing when you're still dealing with the symptoms. It's tough to trust God for growth and revival when you're in a season where it seems like there's a lot of losses and setbacks. It's hard sometimes to have faith for future victories when you're still negotiating the wounds of past defeats and battles. It's stressful trying to help other people through their problems while you're desperately trying to cope with your own major problems. And it is spiritually draining for some of the saints of God to watch and pray day after day for their prodigal to walk back through the door when that prodigal told them again just last month, I'm never coming back to church. But in the middle of the contradiction, I came here tonight to tell you that you have an anchor it may look like hell is in charge. It may look like the devil is winning. It may look like the world is victorious. It may look like culture is going to do unmitigated damage to the church. 
But what they don't see is there's an invisible anchor that tethers God's people to God's eternal purpose. So just about the time you feel that hope is lost, just about the time you feel you can't go another day, just about the time you feel that praying one more time is a little bit useless, if you can feel around, you'll get a hold of it. There's an invisible anchor that tethers you to the promise of God and the pull from heaven is greater than the push from this earth. The pull from heaven is greater than the push from hell. Oh, I wish you'd lift up your hands right now. Get a hold of that hope. Get a hold of that anchor. Get a hold of that promise. It's not over until God says it's over. It's not over because the devil is threatening. It's not over because the world is blustering because you have an anchor. Somebody say, I have an anchor. The church has an anchor. And you have an anchor too because you're part of God's church. It may look like you're being pushed down. It might feel like you're being pushed around. It might seem like you're being pushed aside or pushed back. But what you can't see is that anchor that's tied to your soul and tied to your spirit. Your anchor is stronger than anything you will ever face in this life. And there is greater power in the pull from heaven on your life than there is in the push from hell. Joseph had the grandest, greatest, biggest, largest personal dreams of anybody in the Old Testament. God revealed to Joseph that his brothers, who were the forefathers of the 12 tribes of Israel, Joseph revealed, God revealed to Joseph that his brothers would bow down to him. But like every Bible character, the road to Joseph's dream was kind of long and kind of rough and many unexpected turns. Genesis chapter 37, when his brothers saw Joseph afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another with sarcasm and cruelty in their voice, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, let's kill him. Let's cast him into some pit, and we'll go home and tell Dad, Behold, some evil beast hath devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. And I know what you do. Oh, Joseph, that's just chapter 37. Wait, it's coming. It's just a couple pages. Bible reading every day. In fact, I read it this morning. Joseph, don't you worry. It's just three chapters later, four chapters later, five chapters later. It's all going to be good, Joseph. Just hang in there. That's easy for you to say. You know the end of the story. At the moment, Joseph's young frame just a young man, at the moment his body hit the base of that pit, thrown there by his own brothers, he thought his life was over. You have a different perspective than Joseph because he did not know the end of the story. For all Joseph knew, his dreams had just been shattered forever on the floor of that stone pit by the cruel actions of his brothers. For all Joseph knew, he was now going to live and die as a slave. All Joseph knew was that his brothers hated him so much that they pushed him into a pit. But what Joseph did not know at that very moment, 
that while his brothers were pushing him, God was pulling him. You may not know what's going on in your life right now and you've prayed and you've sobbed and you've cried and you've come to the altar and you've talked to people and you think it's all over. It can't ever be fixed. It is hopeless. It is pointless. It is useless. And you say, hey, I've just been pushed to the end of my rope. That's a pretty good place to be because your rope happens to be tied to an eternal hope. So while the devil is pushing you and while you're circumstances are pushing you. What you can't see is God is pulling you because you're tied to the anchor. Hmm. The psalmist wrote it this way. Psalm 105. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. He was chained up like an animal. The Hebrew phrase there in Psalm 105 literally says, iron entered into his soul. He wasn't just chained up in irons. Iron entered into his soul. Now that sounds really odd to us until you think of our modern English expression when we say, I prayed and the heavens were brass. I prayed and it didn't feel like I was getting through. Joseph went through a season like that where he couldn't understand why God would give him a dream of him having people bow down to him. And now, far from that, Joseph is a slave. Joseph is in a prison. Joseph is in a dungeon. Joseph is going to live the rest of his life as a slave. And iron entered into his soul. Because unlike you who can flip four or five pages and be at the end of his story, he had to live that reality for 15 years. 15 long years. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. What the psalmist means there and what we're supposed to notice there is that God gave Joseph a word. And the word was that his brothers would bow to him. That's the word. But before the word came true in his life, and before the word of the Lord blessed him, and before the word of the Lord, it, it, Joseph saw it in its fullness. That very same word tried him. It put him to the test. It made him wonder if he was just dreaming a pipe dream. You see, God speaks words into the hearts and minds and lives of his people. And I'm addressing some great godly people who are part of a revival church. And you know that God has spoken things to you. But then you get in the middle of the circumstance. And then you get in the middle of the storm. And then you see the symptoms. And then you see the reactions. And then you hear people talking. And then you hear people pushing back against your dream. And you wonder if you just made it all up and if it really was God. I'm here to tell you that Joseph felt the very same thing. But the same word that was going to deliver him in the end for a few years, it tried his faith. It tried his patience. It tried Joseph. But when he came out of it, all of a sudden he realized that the same word that tried me, it came to bless me. What Joseph couldn't see on that day was that while his brothers were selling him, God was sending him. While they were putting him down, God was setting him up. They were deceiving him, but God was leading him. 
<laughs> His brothers were lying about him, but all that time God was guiding him. His brothers bound his feet. The prison, they bound his feet. The jailer, he bound his feet. The slave master, he bound Joseph's feet. But all the time they were binding Joseph's feet, God was ordering Joseph's steps. Oh my, I speak into the atmosphere of this room. I speak a prophetic word over somebody in this room tonight because right now you are face to face with the symptoms. You are face to face with the circumstances. You are face to face with the devil and all of his threats. You are face to face with your enemies and all of their boasts. But what you cannot see, just like Joseph, while they were pushing him, God was Pulling him. I say to you that while your circumstances are trying to push you into a corner, feel around. You'll get a hold of it. It's God's promise. While they're pushing you, God is pulling you. The devil is trying to push you out of your promise, but you are tied to an eternal hope. You have an anchor of the soul, and while the devil is pushing, God is pulling you. Years later, after being pushed into a pit and pushed into a prison, after spending most of his young life as a slave, after he was falsely accused and horribly misused, after he had been long forgotten by his deceitful brothers, Joseph, just one ordinary day, somebody came in and said, Hey, Joseph, you need to clean up and change your clothes because today you're going to be taken to the palace of Pharaoh. And you know the story Joseph on that day was exalted to the throne of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. Can you imagine the day, years later, because Joseph interpreted that dream for Pharaoh. There's going to be seven years of plenty, and you better store it up. Because after that, there's going to be seven years of famine. And you're going to need all that food, and not just you in Egypt, but the world is going to need that food. There's going to be a famine. Can you imagine the day? When Joseph's brothers made the long journey from the promised land and they made it all the way to Egypt, can you imagine when they came in, when they walked in that Egyptian palace and on that day, as the custom was, when you walk into the presence of the second in command in Egypt, every head hits the floor, every nose hits the pavement, and his own brothers, they didn't know who he was. He was dressed in the garb of an Egyptian. He spoke to them in the Egyptian language through an interpreter. They didn't know who he was. But there's no doubt in my mind, Joseph saw them coming. And when his own brothers walked into that throne room and they bowed before him, don't you know that Joseph's dream suddenly came rushing back to his mind? God was telling me the truth all the time. God wasn't teasing me. God made a promise to me, and God has fulfilled his promise. And when he revealed himself to his brothers, his brothers, they thought, we're in trouble. We're in his hand now. He's going to kill us. But Joseph said to them in Genesis 45, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I'm Joseph, your brother whom you sold into Egypt. But brothers, don't be grieved. Don't be angry with yourself that you sold me hither. Because God, while you were selling me, God was sending me. God sent me before you to preserve life. While you were pushing me into that pit, 
my God was pulling me into my destiny. A few years later, Joseph's father, who had come to Egypt and lived in the land of Goshen, a few years later, Joseph's father died, and then his brothers really panicked. This is all probably just a facade. This is all probably just an image or an act while dad was alive. But now that dad's gone, Joseph's really going to get us. And Joseph brought him into the throne room one more time. And he said, where's the praise team? Would you stand up? All the praise team that sang tonight, would you stand up real quick? Yeah, real quick. His brothers came in and they said, we're in trouble. Joseph's going to kill us. And if Joseph could have, he would have called the anchor praise team. And he would have said, He took what the enemy meant for evil, and you turned it for good. Turned it for good. Hey, praise team, sing. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Everybody sing that. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Say, where'd that song come from? It came from here. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Yeah, you pushed me, but God was pulling me. You meant evil against me, but my God meant it for good because what you couldn't see, my life was tied to a promise. My life was tied to a divine destiny. Oh, I wish somebody worshiped God in this room. You pushed me, but God was pulling me. There's greater power in the pull than there is in the push. I don't care what force of hell is pushing in against you tonight. You need to lift up your hands. You need to lift up your voice. And you need to praise God in the middle of it because the pull from heaven is greater than the push from hell. Yes, 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 yes. You say, Pastor Raymond, you don't understand. You, you, don't, you don't get it. You don't get it. Because what you don't realize is that I caused most of my problems that I'm dealing with. I don't even know if it was the devil. I caused them. I, I took a sojourn from God. I took a vacation from church. I messed up. I sinned. I walked away. I backslid. What you don't understand is that I don't know if God could use me or not. I don't know if God could come through or not. I don't know if those promises matter or not anymore because I walked away and I messed it up. I would quote to you the words of Micah. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Even when I sit in darkness... The Lord shall be a light unto me. So I know you may be here, and I know life may have knocked you down to the ground, and I know you may feel like it's hopeless, but while you're down on the ground, and while you feel like there's nowhere to go, and while you feel like there's no hope, and there's no promise, I want you to just feel around, because somewhere near your life, there's an anchor rope, and if you'll just reach out, God wants to hook you back up to that promise that he made over your life. You're not done. Rejoice not against 
me, oh mine enemy, even when I fall, I'm getting back up. I'm going to grab on again to my hope. Oh. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I wish you'd lift up your hands and worship God just because you can, just because he's faithful. This is a night of restoration for somebody. It's a night of restoration of hope. It's a night of Holy Ghost outpouring. It's a night of healing of damaged emotions and shattered dreams. It's a night of healing for broken bodies and fractured minds. It's a night of healing in the house. I wish I could get about a dozen and a half intercessors that would lift up your voice in this sanctuary and just pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. We'll wait. We'll let them catch up to us. We'll just kind of let everybody else have a little break. But I wish I could get my intercessors to seed the clouds with some intercessory prayer right now. I don't care how far down you are. I don't care how far away you are. I don't care what the devil has told you or what anybody else has said against you. There is an anchor, and if you'll reach out, God wants to tie your life to an eternal hope. It'll change everything. Would you just do this for me? Would you put your hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you and just go to praying? I'm not talking about a little sleepy, I'm going to obey the preacher prayer. I'm talking about just go to praying in the Holy Ghost. Tonight is somebody's night for their life to be changed. Tonight is somebody's night for their hope to be renewed. Tonight is somebody's night for their dream to be restored. It's your night. You don't have to stay down. You can get back up. You don't have to stay there. You can come on home because there's an anchor and the hope, the promise of God is pulling on you tonight. Yes, 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 Oh, yes, Jesus. Oh, yes, Jesus. Oh, yes, Jesus. Her name was Jochebed. And her baby boy was born at a time when the Jews had been enslaved by Egypt for over four hundred years. Finally, the decree came from cruel Pharaoh that every Jewish baby boy should be killed by being cast into the Nile River. <laughs> but one more time, what the enemy meant for evil, God used it for good. When Jochebed's baby boy was a little older, when he was three months old and she couldn't hide him any longer, she made a little ark and she laid him in it, and she laid him in the Nile River, hidden among the bulrushes by the shore. She instructed his older sister Miriam to keep watch. And right on schedule, sure enough, the daughter of Pharaoh came to wash with her servants in the river and saw the ark. 
And right on cue, when she opened up the ark, that little baby boy began to cry. And instead of killing him, the daughter of Pharaoh, compassion hit her heart for that little baby boy. And then right on cue, big sister Miriam stepped out of the bulrushes and offered to go get a Hebrew nurse to nurse this baby for the daughter of Pharaoh. And that's how Jochebed was given her own baby boy back to nurse when Pharaoh was killing every other baby boy in the land of Egypt. Exodus 2. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and then she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she, not Jochebed, she, Pharaoh's daughter, called his name Moses. And she, Pharaoh's daughter, said, I'm naming him Moses because I drew him out of the water. That's what Moses means. Drawn out, pulled out, rescued. Here's what you've got to know. Egypt named him. But his mother had nursed him. It's such an amazing, powerful story that hundreds of years later, the writer of Hebrews points to Moses as an example of how faith in Christ pulls us away from the culture that surrounds us. Listen to this, Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. So here's what you've got to understand. Egypt named him, but his mother nursed him. And that's why Moses eventually chose God's purpose over Pharaoh's palace. Because nursing trumps naming every single time. It didn't look that way at first. Moses was born a Hebrew, but that heritage appeared to be lost forever, for many, many years. How could a few short months of being taught by his poor, pauper, slave mother ever hope to compete with many, many years of being raised by the wealthy daughter of Pharaoh in a palace? But somehow, when Moses came to himself, when Moses came to maturity, that early, oh listen to me, that early investment of truth, it prevailed over the later attraction of the world. Yes, Egypt and her allures were powerful, but eventually nursing rights triumphed and prevailed over naming rights. So I stand here in the middle of the anchor on a Wednesday night, this great church, and I address some saints of God, some parents and grandparents and siblings. When that baby was born, you dedicated your son or daughter to the Lord. You prayed over them. You taught them the truth. You brought them to Sunday school. 
school. You taught them little songs and little Bible verses. You did everything you possibly could to train them to love God and to love his church. But tonight as we're in this night of revival at this wonderful church, right now your heart is broken. Your heart feels divided because while you're here enjoying the presence of the Lord, it seems like the world has kidnapped your baby and brainwashed your baby and renamed your baby. It's bad out there in our culture. Never before has Egypt fought so hard to name our children. They want to name them alcoholic. They want to name them atheist. They want to name them pervert. They want to name them everything going. They want to name them addict. They want to name them everything that is anti-God. But just when you feel like it's absolutely hopeless, you remember one thing. Every moment you taught that little boy and prayed over that little girl, you were tying a rope of promise around their spirit. You were tying them up in the anchor of God's promise. And so they look like this in the spirit. Oh, I know you don't see it. You see just an alcoholic with a bottle in their hand. You see just a drug addict and they're stumbling down the sidewalk. But what you can't see is that there's promise tied around them. They look like this in the spirit. The promises of God have got them wrapped up every moment you nursed them. Every moment you taught them. Every moment you sang to them. Every moment you brought them to the altar. You were tying a rope a promise around them. And so tonight, don't you be discouraged by what you see. That's just the symptoms. You remember that the pull from the pull from heaven is greater than the push from this earth. Oh, I want you to lift up your voice right now for a minute. Yes, I'm talking about your backslider. Yes, I'm talking about your baby. Yes, I'm talking about your boy. Yes, I'm talking about your girl. Yes, I am. It may look like they're never coming back. I say no in the name of Jesus. There's too much prayer and intercession over them. And we're about to add a little bit more. We're about to tie another loop around them. Lift up your hands and intercede for them by name in this service right now. They might be a brother, sister, son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, a friend, a neighbor, a family member, an aunt or an uncle. Call their name right now. You know what you're doing? You're tying another loop of God's promise all around them. That's what you're doing right now. Oh, lift up your hands and dream like Joseph. Lift up your hands and dream like Daniel. Lift up your hands and dream. They're coming back. They're coming back. They're coming back. Oh, my, 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 my. I know when you pray over them, it feels like you want to cry because it's been so long and they've been so against God. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And if if pastor can correct all this when I'm gone, I want you to reach up right now. I just want you to wipe your tears for a second. Because we feel like it's our emotion and we want to cry. Crying's wonderful. I love to cry and weep in the presence of God. But tonight I want you to lift up your hands one more time and I want you to declare with authority. So we we cried. That's good. You can cry anytime you want. 
God so beautiful and his presence so wonderful. I don't want you to cry over them right now. I want you to declare that they're coming home. The Bible says whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want to bind some devils and I want to loose some backsliders right now. So now would you lift up your hands? I'm not just playing games with you. I'm not trying to be some kind of emotional. I just want you to declare, I see them coming back because the pull from heaven is greater than the push from this earth. The pull from heaven is greater than the push from hell. Yes, yes, yes. If you got a family member next to you and you're praying over another member of your family, for heaven's sake, take them by the hand. Lift that hand with yours. Let's turn this into a prayer meeting for a minute or two. There's enough backsliders in the state of Ohio to overrun and overflow every building that we own, every family center that we own, every gym that we own. There's enough backsliders in this state to overflow everything. And Jesus is going to work on them. It's the end of the end times. And it's the last of the last days. And there's a rope tied around every backslider spirit I declare in the name of Jesus your baby's coming back your baby's coming home when you go to pray you know what you're battling you know what you're feeling you battle your own emotions because they told you they're not coming back and they told you they don't love your God and they told you they think your church is crazy you're battling your own emotions put your emotions aside right now we walk by faith not by sight and we decree it into the atmosphere would you do it one more time lift up your hands and declare it In the name of Jesus, they're coming home. In the name of Jesus, they're going to be delivered. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a backslider. You can declare it over yourself. Tonight is my night to be free. Tonight is my night to go to the altar. Tonight is my night to receive the Holy Ghost. Tonight is my night. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I know it's counterintuitive. I know it almost feels like you're doing something wrong. But I want you to clap your hands and I want you to rejoice about the backsliders that God's going to send home. I want you to rejoice about the backsliders that God is going to bring into this church. Yeah, 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 yeah. I refuse to let them go to hell as long as there's an anchor. I refuse to let them go to hell as long as I've tied the anchor rope over their spirit. Oh, somebody step out in an aisle right now. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. One of you young guys, come get this. Take this rope. I want to stretch it right across the altar. I want everybody that knows a backslider, has a, somebody take that. Just walk it right to that other wall. 
I want you to get a hold of that rope. I want you to get a hold of that rope. Just you can come on the front of it. You can come on the back of it. I want you to get a hold of it. And we're going to pray over backsliders right now. Because every teacher in this Sunday school, every teacher in this Christian school, every teacher in every home, when you were praying over those little babies, when you were teaching those little kids... You were tying that rope. You were tying that promise. You were tying that anchor around their spirit. And God hasn't let go. Just because they let go doesn't mean God let go. Everybody that's up here, would you just take three or four steps back and we're going to let some people come on the other side and face you and they're going to grab a hold of this. Thank you. All of you that are still coming, duck under that rope or come around. I want you to get a hold of it right now. Ha ha. Are you ready to pray for them? You ready to call their name? You ready to tie another loop of prophecy and promise and deliverance and forgiveness around their spirit? You ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? Lift up your voice and pray. Lift up your voice and intercede. They're coming home. We declare this year the year of restoration of backsliders. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Call their name. Call their name. Call their name. Yes. Pray with authority. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Bind drug addiction. Bind alcoholism. Bind all their friends that have been leading them astray. And loose forgiveness. And loose restoration. And loose deliverance. Loose the miraculous. Yeah, 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 yeah. One will chase a thousand, two will put ten thousand to flight. Everybody with their hand on this rope is praying over a backslider. You leave one hand on the rope, take the other hand and lay it on somebody that you see near you. And we're going to pray together for every backslider that's represented here in this altar. Look at this. If we brought in one backslider for every person that's touching this rope, we'd overflow this room. Pray for their backslider, just like you're praying for your backslider. Hey, 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 
We declare deliverance over their mind. We declare deliverance over their life. We declare deliverance over their addiction. We set them free in the name of Jesus. We set them free in the name of Jesus. Free to stand up on their feet. Free to turn their back on temptation. Free to turn their back on the world. Free to come home. Free to be restored. Free to pray through. We set them free. We declare it in the name of Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. I wish somebody would spin the volume dial on your prayer. You're praying exactly right. Just turn up the intensity a little bit. Spin that volume dial and lift up your prayer to the Lord. Pray with authority and holy boldness. Pray with authority. Even if it's not your personality, pray with authority and holy boldness. Even if it's not your nature, pray with authority and holy boldness. There's a fire shut up in your bones right now. Let it out. Let it out. Let it out. Yes! 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 Somebody at the back put that very last slide up for me. The very last one. It's not just this room we're talking about. This church has a large footprint in this state. We got some daughter churches and there's other churches. We've had pastors with us every night of this revival from this city and elsewhere. Would you look at that screen? Every one of those cities, every one of those towns, every one of those churches, there's a host of backsliders that live all around them. God is going to bring some backsliders home this year. And what you don't know is they're going to make some good saints they're going to make some foundational members of some of these churches. Would you lift one hand toward the screen? Would you pray over every name that you can name? We're tying a rope to that community. We're tying a rope around every backslider. We claim them for the church. We claim them in the name of Jesus. We claim them to be saints. We claim them to be leaders. We claim them to be singers. We claim them to be preachers of the gospel. One more time. 
You don't have to let go of that rope. That's just kind of our little symbol tonight. But I want you to take that other hand and I want you to lay it on somebody else that you haven't prayed for yet. Just reach. You might need to stretch. It'll be good for you. Lay your hand on somebody, especially if you know they've got a backslider, especially if you know they got a backslidden son, especially if you know they got a backslidden daughter. If you need to move and go to them, do it right now in Jesus' name. If you need to walk across this altar to get to them, do it right now in Jesus' name. But pray for them in Jesus' name. There's backsliders coming home in this church and in every one of those churches and in every other church that's been represented in this meeting. Somebody you can receive your healing right now in Jesus' name. Somebody you can receive the Holy Ghost right now in Jesus' name. You can receive your miracle right now in the name of Jesus. You pray that prayer as if when it leaves your mouth, it's going to be answered. If I was you right now, I would pray a prayer and believing that as soon as it leaves my mouth, God is going to answer that prayer. Come on, everybody. I want you to pray a specific prayer. I want you to pray a prayer. I want you to tell the Lord, I'm believing right now that you are going to bring backsliders, people that have been touched by your power, that have been touched by your hand. Lord, people that have been healed by your spirit, that have wandered away and become lost again. God, that there would be an indrawing, that your hand would reach to where they are, that you would give them a dream and wake them up in the condition that they are in. Like the prodigal son, that he came to himself. He was awakened in a stupor of brokenness and said, I don't belong here and started making his way back home. I pray that let that happen let that happen to every believer that has transgressed that has trespassed that has walked in the wrong direction to turn around and come back toward the kingdom to turn around and come back to get a hold of that anchor to get a hold of the anchor of the soul the unwavering anchor oh let it be tonight In the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I feel like somebody ought to start rejoicing. We prayed, we've asked him, now rejoice. Come on, would you jump to your feet all over the building and rejoice. Rejoice evermore. It is finished. It is done. It shall come to pass. God's going to do what he said he's going to do. It's going to happen. Hallelujah! In the name of Jesus, Sister Pam, pray for the Dunlap family. There will be a great awakening in the Dunlap family. I want you to lift your hands and speak it right now. Go ahead, Brother Tharp, lift your hands. I've been telling you, talking to you about praying for that. I believe there's a call of God. I believe there's an indrawing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, God's not finished. God's not finished with your family. God's not finished with your family. God's not finished with your family. He's going to finish the work that he's begun. He's going to finish the work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you were backslidden, that means you were in the church 
and you walked away from the Lord and the Lord brought you back, I want you to come on this platform. Come on, make your way. Make your way. All over the building. Make your way. If you'd have walked away from the Lord at some point and God brought you back to the church, make your way to this platform. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, it's spectacular. It's spectacular. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. There's a Bible verse that says, And the word of the Lord came to Solomon a second time. And the word of the Lord came to Abraham a second time. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I feel this tonight. God's about to send his word from this prophetic preacher tonight and his word's gonna come again to somebody. His word is gonna come again. I say let it happen again. Let it happen again. Let there be a harvest. Hallelujah. I think we ought to rejoice in this building for them right now. Would you do that? Would you rejoice what the God has done again? We rejoice in the again. We rejoice in the call. Hallelujah. Are y'all ready? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to rejoice in what hasn't happened yet, but is about to happen. Here's a word. Listen, I feel this tonight. The word has been sent out from the man of God. He preached it. We believed it. We responded to it. We prayed for it. And the answer's on the way. Are y'all ready? I want you to rejoice for some backslider that's on his way home. Rejoice for some backslider. It's on their way home. She's coming home. He's coming home. It's a preacher's kid. It's a saint's kid. They're making their way home. Oh! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 40 years backslidden. Couldn't keep her from the pole of God bringing her back. 40 years couldn't keep her. Sister Martha, 55 years away from God, 55 years, but there was an anchor of the soul that pulled her back. Come on, I'm preaching about somebody. I'm talking about somebody. Sister Heidi, wave your hand, Sister Heidi. I don't know how many years was it? 27 years, just a little over a month ago, pulled back by the anchor of the soul. He doesn't give up on people. He doesn't give up on people. Hallelujah. 
what the enemy meant for evil. God's going to bring good out of it. Something's good coming out of this. Something powerful. Everybody say where sin abounds. Grace does much more. I want you to look at your neighbor and say much more. Somebody shout much more. Somebody shout more. More. Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. Satan. <laughs> Woo! Satan had me down, but Jesus lifted me. How many God, he pulled you out. He made a way. Hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. amen. Now here's what you're going to do. You've prayed it. You've declared it. I heard the preacher tonight, and I... I I, I, I felt a level of resistance in the service this evening. Not to give any glory to the devil, but sometimes there's always a tension before a release. And tonight, he said, in the spirit of prophecy, when he did, I believe in the man of God, and I believe in the word of the Lord. And I stood in my my hands because if he's going to prophesy I'm going to believe the goodness of God <laughs> elder you told us tonight with such wisdom and instruction you said I want you to wipe the tear out of the eye I want you to reach up and I want you to wipe away the weeping. I want you to remove the begging. I want you to remove the, the sadness of yesterday and all the brokenness that happened in them walk. I want you to wipe the tear. You know what I feel like tonight? We prayed. Now it's time to just rejoice and wait. I'm going to rejoice and wait. Come on. They're coming from the north. They're coming from the south. They're coming from the east. They're coming from the west. They're not too far gone for the arm of God to reach them and pull them back. I wish somebody would shout with me. There's a revival. There's a revival. Something has been broken tonight. Something has been broken. Where are you at, Sister Annie? Where's Annie Brown? Hey, Sister Annie, wipe the tears. When you get up in the morning, you say, it shall come to pass. I'm not crying anymore. I've cried for years. No more. I'm going to rejoice. I'm rejoicing and I'm waiting. I'm going to rejoice and wait. Woo! <laughs> hey, brother. It's good to see y'all. Hey, I'm rejoicing and I'm waiting. I'm not begging anymore. I'm not fretting anymore. I'm not complaining anymore. You know what I'm going to do every day I get up? The sun has come up and his mercies are renewed every morning. Something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. All of you believe it? Say amen. amen. If you believe it. Honey, I, I forgot. I forgot that you were back and came back. purest Christians intentional people in prayer people that I know I feel a work of God in this room hallelujah she taught us something she taught us something a few it was it was after COVID 
She said, she said, when God restores a person, I, I'm not going to say it probably as good as you did, but you said the Lord showed you. He said, God's not going to restore you back to the condition that you were in because it failed. He's going to restore you stronger than you were before you left. The goodness of God. Sunday morning in our 11 a.m. service, I preached. I preached a message and I stretched a rope across this auditorium. Didn't I? And I borrowed a baby. And I put a baby in a basket. And I carried a baby around. And I talked about the future of the baby. And that we've got to build a basket. My message was bread and basket. Talking about preserving ministries. And I had Paul hanging out a window. And the disciples holding him. Because he had a past. But he had a future. And that the future was in the hands of the disciples to preserve Brother Nehemiah. The pastoring was actually it. But there was an anchor. Hallelujah. Not giving up on people. I don't want to give up. Do you think it's an accident that he preaches about an anchor with a rope? Everybody came up and grabbed the hold of that rope on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. and I've got a baby in a basket made everybody nervous preserving the future and I was saying let the baby live let the baby live I hear this tonight let the backslider live let the backslider live let the backslider live let the backslider live listen how many of you have repented of your sins? How many of you have repented? Ask God to forgive you. You know what that meant? You emptied it out. I'm going to pray over you. The Holy Ghost is going to fall over you. When it does, you're going to begin to feel the infilling of His Spirit when it begins to come up. The Bible says, out of your heart, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The Bible says you'll begin to speak in an unknown tongue. I want you to lift your hands right now. Lift your hands and receive ye the Holy Ghost. Come on, just praise Him. I thank you, Jesus. Come on, stretch your hands forward. Everybody stretch your hands forward. Reach toward the anchor. Reach toward the King. Reach toward Him right now. There is healing in this room. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.